Vaughn Brown uh, has been part of our church family for many years, and uh, many of you know him for longer and better than I do, and over the last two years since we've arrived, I've enjoyed a few times a year, sometimes it's once a month, uh, getting together with Vaughn, just having a chat, and uh, sometimes there's an agenda, and other times are just our conversation wanders along in a wonderful direction of all kind, and I've really appreciated getting to know his heart. He is a giant, but you've heard the term gentle giant. He has the most intense and intimidating boots you've ever seen. Do not focus on them during the message. Focus on his heart and God's word. I hope you have your Bible with me. Vaughn, like me, is of Scandinavian background. Uh, would you join me in welcoming to Bring the Word today, Vaughn Brown. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, we know. Okay. So I like to talk with my hands, so I asked for the Britney Spears mic. So if all of us... Baby, baby, does I supposed to know? That is the first and only Britney Spears imitation I'm ever going to do. So feel privileged that you got that. So it's an honor to be able to share this morning. Everything just lined up perfectly. And uh, I will say, you know, it's a lot leading worship and, and preaching on the same morning, but really easy compared to church planting, which we tried. So this was a breeze. And uh, I'm not hopefully going to say anything too outrageous this morning, but uh, if, there's, if there's anything you have a problem with, send your email to Pastor Trevor at CPC. Oh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. January 1st. I've never had the opportunity to, to speak on January 1st before. It's a, it's a significant day for people, for most people. We, we think about resolutions or goals or things we'd like to accomplish over the next year. Uh, maybe resetting habits, pursuing dreams. Who here has, has some resolutions or some stuff they want to work on in 2023? Could be financial. We have a course coming up for that. Could be weight. I don't know about you. Does anybody here like want to lose some weight this year? Right. You know, I always find myself with weight loss and health management goals every year. And uh, by this time, you'd think I'd have a black belt with all the grappling that I have done with my weight over the years. This, it's a journey, and it also is a paradox. Because losing weight, is, uh, it's really easy. And it's also really, really hard. I know exactly what to do. So I, I've done it. I've lost weight. You know, on paper, I'm like, if I do this, eat this, blah, 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 I'm good to go. It would be dropping pounds like crazy. But I find that I don't always follow through with my ideas. Or I find temptation that is just amazing. It's like, oh, Bigfoot donut, come to me, right? <laughs> Very easy to do. So... Sometimes I just absolutely go sideways, like in December. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wow, now we're back to what number I got? Oh, man. So we're in this together, people, right? We're in this together. 
But I find that uh, weight loss and, and health journey is also a great parallel analogy for spiritual disciplines and encountering God. It's easy. We know what to do, but we don't always find ourselves doing what we need to to get there. And just like personal goals and resolutions for the year, it can also be an opportunity for a church body to refocus and realign with the mission that God has given for the church over the next season. And I believe that Comox Pentecostal Church is in that mode right now. Just in this last, uh, last few months, the, the vision's been rolled out. We all have it in our hands. And now this is an amazing coming into 2023 that we can all just focus and realign together. And, and like Mike was saying this morning, what, a, what an amazing way to start off the year by having an encounter weekend, which if you, if you hear it, it, it's pretty obvious what it's about, encounter, and encountering God. And, and I know that this can be a cliche in Christian circles. We, we like to do that a lot. We have these words and we, we throw them around so much that sometimes they start to lose meaning. It's like, oh yeah, encounter. Hey, let's call this, uh, this youth conference encounter, right? But we really need to get back to, uh, to understanding what does encounter with God actually mean. Personally, I cherish my Pentecostal heritage. I've been around. I've bounced around a little bit. I've, I've dabbled. I've, I've swam in some different waters. And, and actually, that's been very enriching for me. But I, I'm able to have a real tangible encounter experience that I can pull on from from previously, and some of them has happened in this church. And I could, I could, if you, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but I had an, an amazing encounter with, with the Holy Spirit right here years ago where it, it rocked me. And I truly believe that there are deep wells of living water in this house that are, are ready to be tapped. We just got to tap into them for all who want to drink and receive. And I truly believe that this church in the Comox Valley will experience some forward steps and enlarging of capacity in the spirit in 2023. Good things are already happening here and there's more to come. God wants to release more in this church. And we can access this through encounter. So my hope this morning is that I can encourage you, inspire you, and hopefully help all of us get ready to experience an authentic and life-changing encounter with God. Sound good? Let's do it. So turn with me to James 4. That's going to be our text this morning, verses 1 to 10. And while you're turning to that, I'm going to set the table to ensure we have the right context for this passage. I'll give a little background. I, I, there's one professor I really love. He's a little provocative. And, and one thing he said, and I've, I just constantly repeat this now, is context is theology. If you don't have the right context, it's not going to line. You're not going to get the right theology. So remember if that offends you, Pastor Trevor at CPC Life. <laughs> okay, so James, this, this letter was written by James, obviously named after him who was the brother of Jesus, who became the leader of the church of Jerusalem. This letter was written to Jewish Christians around A.D. 40 to 45, somewhere in there. 
Most of the recipients of this letter would have been experienced suffering, persecution, and likely living in poverty. They were in the throes of social and spiritual conflict. There was turmoil culturally, socially, economically, and spiritually, which would have drastically challenged their faith and belief in God. This resulted in many believers living in a worldly manner, and there was not a lot of difference between their lives and those around them. Does that sound familiar? Maybe? James's letter is a response to this behavior with words of correction and wisdom, as well as words of encouragement and hope. So with that just scratching of the surface for context, let's uh, read the letter. And just to keep in mind, James is writing in a letter in, a, in, a, in the style of a Jewish letter and also with Greek rhetoric of the time. So that's where stuff is, might be hard to take super literally, but more rhetorically, rhetorically, sorry, that would be the right word. So James 4, 1 to 10. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? But you desire what you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. I'm just going to pause there because, again, Greek rhetoric. So this is not conflicting. This scripture is not contradicting our series that we had in Hebrews where it talks about being present in the world building relationships with nothing, it actually is able to, you're able to cohesively put this together when you understand that. And unfortunately, people like to use scripture like this as a very literal, literal thing, and it can lead to legalism and separation and exclusion and seclusion and all the things that we don't like. So I would throw out there that... Think of this in the, in the mind where, how, where Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.14 would talk about not being unequally yoked, right? So it's about our relationship with the world. We don't separate ourselves. We do in some ways, but we don't actually seclude ourselves from the world. It's, it's more about not allowing relationships and what we want in our community to take the place of God. So that's how I'm going to frame that for you. But now we're on to the good stuff. Or do you think Scripture says without reason, and you can, under, you can circle the word reason, that he jealously, jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us. Feel free to underline that. But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. You can underline that whole line. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Feel free to underline that last line, too. Okay. So this is a nice big steak for us to chew on this morning. 
but I'm going to keep it simple. Keep it simple, stupid, right? Good way to go. So what I would like us to leave this place with is three words. If you can remember three words, you're golden. Three words that can leverage and help us get toward, like, get ourselves toward an encounter. The only prefacing question I would ask, and, and this is one of those things, that's actually, it sounds funny, but it's not funny because it's true. Do we really want an encounter? No, seriously, do we really want an encounter? Because like with weight loss, there's a, there's a cost you have to count. There's, there's effort and discipline that needs to be put into it. So we have to seriously ask ourselves the question. I'm not going to raise hands or anything, but you can think about that. So the first word I want us to remember, and I'm going to totally steal from Pastor Mike and uh, make us repeat the words. Prepare. So if any of you are familiar with motivational interviewing, it's a counseling technique that a lot of people use, uh, it, in that model it talks about the stages of change. And one of the stages is the preparation stage. So before you can see change happens, you actually have to enter the stage of getting prepared to change. So how can we get into that pre preparation stage? So I have a few little, little easy ways that are going to help us out. First is find the purpose. Why do we need an encounter with God? Verse 5 emphasizes that God has given us the Holy Spirit for a, a reason. Remember I got you to circle that word? There is a reason he longs for a, a relationship with us. There is a purpose, a purpose in us having an encounter with him and sustaining that intimacy as we go closer to him. We need an encounter to move forward in our lives. Otherwise, we will stay stagnant, small, and self-focused. Read all the encounters that you can find in the Bible with men and women that have had encounters with God. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, or the many uh, people who had encounters with Jesus in the Gospels. Their lives were radically shifted following those encounters. Their trajectories were recalibrated. They had to have known that their lives were, would not be the same after experiencing a divine moment with God. When you find purpose in something, you develop the motivation to go after it. So find the purpose. Another way to prepare is to be filled with the Spirit. Our text says he wants to dwell within us. We need, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna go a little old school Pentecostal for just for a moment, okay? We need an infilling of the Holy Spirit. We recognize that as the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our tradition. Now, this is an event where we are filled with the Holy Spirit with a significant infilling. There is an empowerment we receive by which we can be transformed through his power. Verse 5 says that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. He longs for communion and relationship with us. So this is a spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection, which we can have, which I believe is imperative for the Christian life. 
This provides us with the empowerment to make better choices, to lean in to what the Spirit's doing, to prepare for a change and experience a greater encounter with Him. And as well, to prepare, we can receive God's grace because you cannot earn it. We're all, I'm sure all of us, if you've grown up in the church, you're familiar with Psalm 46.10. Everyone's like, oh yeah, be still and know I'm God. Um, but I actually like the NASB version because it says, cease striving and know that I am God. And you better finish it. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the, on the, in the earth. That's who we get to know, right? But we cannot manufacture an encounter with God. We can't conjure it up. We cannot manipulate it. So some kind of encounter takes place. The good news is that we don't have to. It's a gift. God is longing for us to prepare our hearts, minds, and spirits to have an encounter with him. He wants to bring that to us. So prepare. So not only do we need to prepare to have an encounter with God, we also need to position ourselves to have an encounter with God. How do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We'll go back to our, our text in James. So say, prepare. prepare. And position. position. It's effective. I like that. <laughs> I'll give you 20 bucks royalty after. So again, three easy ways we can position ourselves to, encounter, to have an encounter with God. Submit yourself to us. Oh, sorry. What am I saying? Submit yourself to God. Don't submit yourself to us. Um, give up your will. So again, everyone's favorite word, submission. We love it, don't we? In the Greek, the word hupotasso means to place under, as in a rank, or be subject to. So in our terms, what's easier for me is, for, I always say, come into alignment with. In our human nature, we strongly dislike submission. If we study the Bible, however, we know that there is always a promise attached to submission in a kingdom sense. This passage is no exception, but that's a teaser. We'll get there. But why do we submit? We submit because God's ways are better than our ways. So, but the good thing is we get to let the demand be on God to work things out when we submit to his ways. He's a good God, and he wants to give us the good desires of our hearts. It might just not work out the way you think it's going to work out. So submit yourself to God. As well, resist the enemy. So again, choose God's ways. If God's ways are better than our ways, then the enemy is always going to try and convince us that our ways are better than God's. He will try and convince us that our ways are much more attractive and appealing, but ultimately they lead to sin. And that's where temptation comes in. And that's what we need to resist. The Greek term used for resist depicts withstanding or standing against the ploys of the enemy. If we can resist the tactics of the enemy, we are able then to choose what God has for us, which is the best for us, whether it seems like it at the time or not. The truth is, it is. Every time. 
So not only are we submitting ourselves to God and we're resisting the enemy, we get to draw near to God. But this requires action and intention on our part. Now, again, I'm going to go a little, you know, exegete here. The, the Greek uses two words for this, and I found this fascinating while I was studying this. And it's important for this context and the message being given here. The two words are agizo and katharzero. So the first, agizo, meaning to approach or come near. The second, meaning to cleanse. So, and it's, and it's really cool. When you, when you read it in the original Greek, it, like there's overlap. Like you can't separate it like we do in English. So we find that there is a cleansing element that takes place as we humbly and repentantly draw near to God. And this is why it leads into that next verse, talking about cleansing our hands and purifying our hearts. It's interconnected. The result of this is that we position our bodies, heart, and spirit is that he will draw near to us. And for me, that's a wow. His presence cleanses us as we experience intimacy with him in the closeness. And that, to me, is profound. However, this requires action and intention on our part. It doesn't just happen. I have to tell this story because it's one of my favorite stories ever, and it's from Bible college. We ended up, it was I think my second year, we ended up having a uh, new dean of students. We had another prof took over the dean of students part, and he was sharing in one chapel. His main concern was that there was no inappropriate relationships happening. I mean, we're all young either older teenagers or young adults, hormones are raging. Everyone goes to bridal college to get, you know, find a wife or husband. And, and he's like, and I don't want to hear this year that it just happened. I don't want to hear that story this year. If that's the case, why does it never just happen in the middle of chapel? <laughs> And then, of course, I'm just sitting beside this other, like, long hair, you know, guy that I knew. And he's like, Vaughn, it's just happening, man. It's just happening. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't get in trouble. But <laughs> Should have went to school with me. It was fun. <laughs> so it doesn't just happen. We need to engage and actively seek him in this way. Just like with health and weight management. I can know all the right information and methodology but if I do not act on that information or I do, not, I do not use the method that is effective, I will not see change or transformation. If I do implement and engage in the process, then I see progress. The good, thing it's, the good news this morning is that it's not a massive undertaking. In fact, in Acts 17, when Paul is preaching, he explains that God wants us to seek him. God wants us to reach out and find him. He's not far away from any one of us. That's great news. We don't have to go far or all over the place to have to find him. He is always right there waiting for us close by. So draw near to God by submitting to him, by resisting the enemy, and by allowing his cleansing presence to envelop you in true encounter. What a gift indeed. Prepare. Position. Third one, last one. Persevere. Gold stars all around. So we can prepare and we can position ourselves, but what else is needed? Perseverance. We need to persevere. 
There are a lot of mysteries in God. A lot, right? There is no formula. God does not choose to work the same way all the time. So having an encounter can be an instantaneous and profound moment. Or it can be a slow process of development and growth. It's not a one-size-fits-all situation. God is God. He can move how he chooses. In my experience, God has given me, given me moments of amazing and fantastic encounter. But if I'm being honest, these are not common and regular. I do hope and pray, however, that they do become more common and regular because they're awesome and they're transformative. In fact, uh, a few of us here were able to have one just a few months ago in Nanaimo, and it was... But yeah, I have found... And honestly, I have, I've been going through this process the last couple months especially where I found that God is leading me on a journey to find contentment in the mundane and regular. Sounds fun, doesn't it? The everyday Christian life. It's been interesting to look for him at work in the everyday events and find his faithfulness and goodness on display in the little ordinary aspects of life without the spectacular taking place. The good news, though, again, for me, and I think it would be for you, it's not an either-or. It's a both-end. And I do think that God is wanting to release more spectacular, hair-raising encounters that blow the roof off this building, but also he wants to develop in us vision to see him in the everyday facets of life. So we need to build our capacity to persevere as we prepare and position ourselves for encounters. How do we do that? Again, I'm glad you asked. So I'll share just a few quick things with that in mind. The first being allow Holy Spirit transformation. As I stated earlier, we need to be filled with the Spirit and have Him active in our lives. If we do this, He is faithful to transform us through His power in connection to our spirits. And this is inside-out transformation. We become more Christ-like as this takes place. I cannot emphasize how important it is to have the Holy Spirit present, active, and working in our lives. It's like the fuel for a car. It's, it's crucial for empowerment and successful living. We need to give him permission to transform us. He, just won't, he won't just do it on his own. We have free will. We actually have to partner with him in the transformation process. As well, we need to understand that growth takes time. To keep this weight loss analogy going, uh, transformation takes time. It takes hard work and discipline. But after a while, we begin to see the changes in the fruits of our labors and efforts. This goes the same for spiritual growth. It takes time, effort, and discipline, but we will eventually see the benefits come to fruition and enjoy the investment that we've put into it to experience this growth. It's so satisfying and rewarding to actually see the results. And this is why we need perseverance. And I've seen it time and time again. It's so easy to give up right before we experience breakthrough. 
or see the fruit come to pass that we've worked so hard for. If I was going to give you one word of encouragement, it would be, keep going. It's going to come. And, then, and, and lastly, as we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. This is what the verse says. And it's, here, here is the promise that I was alluding to in verse 10. As we go through the process of humbling ourselves, God promises that he will lift us up. Now, is this for our, our own gains and purposes? No. That wouldn't really line up with us humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to him, would it? Instead, God will lift us up to establish his purposes in our lives. Remember, God's ways are better than ours. God's purposes are also better than ours. And I know that there are gifts and talents and purposes that God wants to release into our lives. And uh, those things are going to advance and build up the kingdom. That is amazing. We just need to persevere to allow God to do the work and grow our capacity to be able to handle all the things that he wants to give us. We need our character to grow to a place where we can handle the gifts. Otherwise, we will fall to pride and sin as we face temptation. It's a process, and we need to persevere. So these are the three simple ways that we can experience an encounter with God. I wanted to keep it simple so we would remember these things as, and, and we're able to apply them to our lives. So one last time. Prepare. Prepare. Position. Position. Persevere. Persevere. It's simple, but we still actually have to do it. It won't just happen. We need to become active in seeking God and going after him so that we can encounter his presence in a profound way. And as Mike was sharing earlier, what a great opportunity we have coming up this coming weekend. I know for me, in full disclosure, if I was going to confess, I actually registered for this in the middle of your sermon. Not, not today, but previously because I had been procrastinating. But I was like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. I registered. I'm like, I'm going to be there because I want an encounter. And today, we're, as we know, we're having communion. And what a, and another amazing opportunity to prepare and position ourselves to, for an encounter with God through the act. And sometimes... I would say a lot of, in a lot of evangelical circles, I think we can tend to be a little flippant when it comes to communion. And I think we need to take a step back and, and understand the profound and sacred and spiritual um, event and transaction that's happening as we participate in the Lord's table. So I want to encourage us today, ready our hearts, prepare ourselves, position ourselves. God, we want an encounter this morning with you. We don't want to have to even wait till this coming weekend. Let's start now. And there's going to be time following communion for, for us to respond. And anybody, I just want to encourage you, anybody that's like, this is resonating with that, saying, yeah, you know what? I want an encounter. I want to experience that now. I don't want to have to wait for some other time. I just want to encourage you to respond and, 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 and actually Position yourself physically and, and feel free to come 
And I know some of us in our team are going to be able to just lay hands and pray for you. If you want that, I just want to encourage you, position yourself to be able to, to meet with him this morning. I'm going to throw it back to Pastor Mike as we go into communion. Thank you, Vaughn. I wonder if we could just take a moment right now where we're at. Uh, the text in Corinthians that leads us into a communion experience is very clear that it's a time for spiritual inventory. And so before I say much more about our time of sharing in communion right now, I wonder if you would just join me in closing your eyes, maybe bowing your head if that helps you. And let's just welcome the work of the Spirit to our, speak to our souls as we just allow for spiritual inventory to take place in our hearts, as we evaluate priorities going into this year, as we evaluate Vaughn's question, do we really want an encounter with God? Let's take a moment for reflection and spiritual inventory. right now you can grab your communion elements that you've prepared and here in our room right now uh, if you're new to using one of these little communion packets there's a top layer of cellophane which you can peel back and it exposes the cracker and then there's a foil layer that you peel back carefully because the juice underneath may spill As Vaughn did so well to point out, our celebration of communion is at times undervalued, but it is an opportunity for you and I to physically encounter and experience the risen, living Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing magical about a cracker and a little cup of juice or wine, but there's something so symbolic and there's something wonderful that's revealed to us about God and his heart that he wants us to have participatory experiences in our faith. That faith isn't just sort of this thing on the side of our life, an accessory that follows along here and there. It's an experience. Baptism, which will occur later today, is an experience. It's a participation. Communion is a regular participation. Communion encircles itself around this idea of covenant, that through Jesus Christ, God gestured to the world I'm giving myself to you completely, exclusively, and permanently. And he demonstrated that at the cross. Our opportunity to respond in covenant to his gesture is actually through the act of baptism, which Jeff and Tim Chi will experience today. When we celebrate communion, it's a covenant renewal ceremony. Many of you have seen or maybe in your own marriage participated in a covenant renewal marriage renewal. When we celebrate in communion, we're saying back to God, I give myself to you completely, exclusively, and permanently. Scripture says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you take the perfect circle, little wafer you have and break it? There's a beautiful picture for us in wholeness becoming broken, and that represents the perfect person of Christ becoming crushed and broken 
Why? So that the reverse can happen to us, us broken people having the promise and the hope of wholeness. So Jesus, we give you thanks for your body given for us. And we give ourselves back to you now as we take this with thanksgiving. Let's take the bread together. Scripture says that in the same way, on the same night, Jesus took the cup and says this cup represents a new covenant, a new agreement between God and people. And the juice, the wine in the cup, represents both death in Christ's death, but it also represents life afforded for you and I because of Jesus, his death and resurrection, life that's abundant and everlasting. Today, Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. It promises healing, it promises hope, and it promises us life abundant and everlasting. We need your life this year, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Would you stand with me? Vaughn and Lisa are gonna lead us in a song we sung earlier today as a response that we need a move of God, not just in our church family, not just in the Comox Valley, but in each of our individual lives. Let's sing in response together.
as we move towards concluding now, I'm going to allow Vaughn and Lisa to make a quick transition. They're really going above and beyond today. They're doing all the things. They lead our Sunday prayer ministry, and so they're going to be available down here. Calvin and Claire are coming forward as well. And as they come forward and make themselves available to you as we begin to conclude right now, some of you, I know, want to respond in prayer, and many of you are ready to catch up with somebody else and hang out, and that's wonderful. If, if you're wanting to socialize a little bit, could I just ask today, head to the lobby and begin catching up with people out there. We're going to allow this space to be just a little quieter for a little bit of music in the background and prayer ministry going on. Some may wish to just seek God from your seat or pray with a friend. Many of you, I believe, should receive prayer today. It could be, I, I heard from one person who said, you know, I had a hard time falling asleep last night. I, I was praying and I thought, well, that sounds wonderful. I just, I realized I'm pretty anxious about this coming year. And maybe you resonate a little bit with that. Y you need prayer today. We'd love to pray with you and pray for you today. Maybe you just know that you can't come to this encounter weekend because of a work schedule or another conflict of some kind. Opportunity to receive prayer. Would you come forward and receive prayer as we conclude today? Let me pray for us as a group, and then we'll respond as God leads each of us. Father, we thank you for your work in our lives, for your work in our midst. And all of this is grace. We're not initiating an encounter. It's not our idea. This is in response to what you're doing and what you've done through Jesus Christ. So we want to position ourselves to meet with you this year in meaningful growing ways touch each of our lives to those who are suffering or struggling bring your peace and your help to all hungry hearts would you meet us in this moment of response this weekend coming up and in 2023 we commit this year to you now in jesus name and everyone said amen even now, you can come forward, begin receiving prayer. If you want to just stay where you are and respond or worship, Joshua will just keep playing softly in the background. May God bless you today and this year.